right, we're in week three. Everybody say week three. Week three of hurry up, slow down. And I think it's, I think it's good. It's been uh, impactful. I had uh, someone text me last week, uh, a student who's not able to be here this week, but they texted me uh, last week and they said, hey, thank you so much for that. This series has been really good for me specifically. And so uh, each series is going to be different. We did a whole long series on anxiety. We've done this series on hurry. We're going to do other series on different topics. We did 16 weeks on Jesus last year. Um, but each kind of topic is going to be good for certain people and certain messages are going to be good, good for certain people. But here's the thing. It, you can never um, receive it and it can never change your heart if you don't create space for, your, for you to listen. Does that make sense? If you don't break down some of the walls and barriers that are up right now for you, like if you don't, if, if, if you're scrolling Instagram the whole time I'm preaching, you're never going to get anything out of any of my messages, just being honest, right? And so for you to uh, go from, from death to life, for you to go from not knowing very much to knowing more about Jesus, for you to encounter what God has for you, uh, it, either in worship or in a message like this, what has to happen is you just have to set everything down and be prepared to listen. Be prepared to receive. Amen? And also, like in worship, be prepared to give. Amen? So, we're in week three. Uh, we'll have two weeks after this. And then we'll do small groups. And then we'll do our first ever invite night. And it's going to be fire. It's going to be great. Um, and so we'll talk more about that as that gets closer. Um, but yeah, so... Here it is. Hurry up, slow down, part three. Open your Bibles, if you will, if you got it on your phone or if you got a real Bible member. If you don't have a Bible, we've got plenty, so we'd love to give you one. And if you need one, you just lift your hand real up cl close like this and someone will bring you a Bible. But on your phones, Genesis chapter 2, we'll start in verse 1. Uh, or if you have a physical Bible, Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Genesis chapter 2, verse Verse 1. Let me know when you're ready. If you don't have any of those things, it'll be on the screen, uh, and you can read along. You ready? Thanks. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, Ken. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. So God has completed creation. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So Jesus was the word, the word became flesh, the word, all that good stuff. The word of God, God spoke and things were created. So God, the father, Yahweh, as we know him in the Old Testament. Spent six days creating everything. Creating the heavens, the earth, the stars, animals, cockroaches. They're not really animals. They're just kind of there. Um, do we know why? No, but, you know, they're just there. Question, what are flies for? You know what I mean? They, like, they, you know, like even, even spiders have purposes. Even, like, bees have purposes. Mosquitoes, too. What's the point of a fly? Anyways, I'm going to talk to Jesus when I get to heaven. What's up, dog? 
what's up with flies? Anyways, okay, so, so God took six days to create water, mountains, planets, us, animals, everything in between. And on the seventh day, he did what? He rested. So God rested. Any of you feel like you need some rest every once in a while? And we, we just had Easter uh, Sunday, which was awesome. It was incredible if you were here. Thanks for coming. It was a blast. We had a bunch of people here. It was super fun. We had a good Friday service, which was so good. Probably one of the better ones I've been a part of. But I got to be honest, when you're leading worship, uh, when you still have to do uh, youth stuff, when you uh, decide to take that week to build a stage design with your friends and <laughs> and do everything else, it's really, really tiring. And I found myself on, like, Sunday afternoon looking at Danielle like this. Like, I couldn't even look her in the eye. I was just not focused, you know. I was like, I was like, um, we need a break. <laughs> we need to slow down. We need to hurry up and slow down. I didn't say that. That's, that'd be corny. But we need a break. Anybody ever felt like you need a break? You need a rest. You need a day of rest. So we took Monday off and rested, and it was nice, and it was good. And if I could have blessed it, I would have, but that's God's job, so. But the question is, why? Why do we need a rest? We know we need rest, but oftentimes we don't take rest. Right? We know, man, I could really use a day of rest. When we think about taking a whole day to rest, we think about how far behind we're going to get. This guy, Carl Ranner, said, In the torment of the insufficiency of everything attainable, we learn that ultimately in this world, there is no finished symphony. Ultimately in this world, there's no such thing as a finished symphony. So what is that? What, you're like, what does that mean? <laughs> Brett, um, question, teacher? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, what does that mean? What it means is that we have a desire, we have, we have earthly, worldly, fleshly desires to get things done, to see things through, to see uh, things accomplished. But what in reality, we will never, ever reach what we think we should reach. Because when we get there, it's always the next thing. You get a nice house. And you start looking at what the next nice house is. You get past a certain money threshold and you start looking for what the next one is. You get a nice car and you start looking at, you start seeing all of a sudden all the cars on the street that are nicer than yours. Your brand new one that you just got. You get a pair of nice shoes and then you notice that they just dropped the new ones three months later. You get the new phone and every September they drop a new iPhone. And if you have an Android, you wish you had an iPhone. And I'm just kidding. And if you have a Nokia, you're good. Like that, it's like you just you're set. You don't even know what a Nokia is, but Nokia is this phone that I could throw as hard as I could at the wall, and, and I put it back together, and it worked perfectly fine. 
Um, I, you could dr- I could drop a Nokia off the stratosphere and it'd probably survive. You'd have to find the battery, <laughs> but it would survive. I'm, I'm like convinced of it too. <laughs> like, I want to try that out. But anyways, the idea is the idea that there's no finished symphony means that any 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 task that is of the world we will never be able to finish. And I'm not saying like like redoing your kitchen. Like you can obviously finish that. But usually, what happens when you redo your kitchen, you finish it. You're like, man, what else can we do around the house? It's never right. It's never finished. It's never quite done. And so when, when we live our lives this way where there's no unfinished symphony or when there's no finished symphony, the, 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 the way we live our lives is busy, hurried, um, just grinding all the time, trying to get to whatever that next step is, right? If you, if you one day when you have a job, when a good, you know, a good job or whatever and you Make six figures a year. Oh, that's great. And then you're like, I'm trying to be a millionaire. And then after that, you're like, I'm trying to have $10 million. And then after that, I want to be the first billionaire in San Juan Capistrano or whatever. I don't know. There's probably a bunch of them. But not really. But it's there's always something else to reach, right? We'll never be fully satisfied with what we're trying to accomplish. It's the human condition. So, how do we fix it? How we fix it is to make our greatest desire God. Instead of our greatest desire being worldly success. Not to say you can't have success, but I'm saying if your greatest desire is time spent with God, you can attain that. You can get there. And it will make the rest of your time blessed. When God spent the seventh day resting, what did he do? He blessed it, for it was good. God, the creator of the universe, took a day of rest. And we somehow think we can't. We probably need at least two. If he needed one, <laughs> we, you know what I mean? Like we need to rest more. We need to slow down more. Our biggest desire should be to be with him. Because Noth- nothing can satisfy us but him. Amen? Like, we, we could try our best. Like, guys, this is how we cope. It's like, we're, de- we're depressed, we're down, we're, uh, what do I do? Find the most stressful video game I know and turn it on and play with all my annoying friends who are yelling at me the whole time. I put my headphones on so I can't hear anything. And every time someone walks in, I freak out because they're right there. Right? And that's how I cope with anxiety. Right? Or it's like I'm, I'm, I'm having a bad day. It's rough. So I get on Instagram and look at everybody else's great days. And it makes me feel so much better about my worst day. It's like all of our attempts to be satisfied go out the window. Right? It's like we, we try everything possible to get to a place where we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're good, we're good, we're good. And we can't get there unless we spend time with God. So one of the solutions, obviously, to hurry is to stop. 
If, we, if, if all we were doing is hurrying and being busy, like stopping is probably the best option. <laughs> You're like, well, that sounds easy enough, but not really. Because it's like someone, imagine someone giving you that advice. You're anxious. Hey, yeah, just stop. Just stop doing that. Like, hey, I'm really, really busy. Yeah, just don't, you know. <laughs> Be a man, you know. <laughs> like, I'm just kidding. Um, just, just stop. But I don't mean, like, just stop being busy. I mean, literally, to just, just, to just stop. Like, like, if you're walking, to just, just stop. To just take a pause, to take a rest. Because that's what God did on the seventh day. Last week, we talked about being quiet and silencing things on the outside of her life and on the inside of her life. And this week, we're talking about being still or stopping. And why is Sabbath so important? Because God himself did it. And so we're talking about Sabbath today. We're talking about a day of rest. And this is usually not a topic we, as we meaning the collective group of youth pastors around the world, (laughs) decide to preach to students, because most of you, some of you have jobs, but a lot of you don't. A lot of you aren't necessarily um, trying to grind on that nine to five and make whatever. So it's like, how does the Sabbath make sense to you? But I think it really does, because even as young people, you can get in this habit of constantly being busy and constantly pulling of yourself that you never take time to rest and never take time to refill your cup. If God, like I said before, if God took a day of rest after a week of working, why do we think we can go without one? The practice of Sabbath, like silence and solitude, is to learn how to sit with God again. Somewhere along the line, we've forgotten how to sit with God, how to be with God. We like God. We enjoy time with our friends who like God, too. We know a little bit about God, and every once in a while, when I sit down with my parents for a meal, I talk to God, and sometimes I ask him to give me a good day, but do I really know God? Do I really have, do I really sit down with God? Do I, do I have the capacity to spend time with God? Amen. Here's the thing I'm not saying. I'm not saying to lock yourself in your room on a Saturday and to not have any fun. Like, okay, I'm not going to be mean or anything, but I had, so I grew up in Vegas. And if you've ever been to Vegas, there's two things that are really, really prominent in Vegas. Uh, Sin and Mormons. Nothing against Mormons. There's just a lot of them there. I'm just saying. So. Here's one thing I learned about Mormons, is that on Sundays, they don't do anything. Nothing. Like, I'd go, I'd skateboard to my friend's house, knock on the door, and, like, it was like, it was like someone was opening the door to, like, Hogwarts or something. I was like, hello? You know, I'm like, uh, was everything okay? You know, and they're like, oh, uh, he can't come outside to play today. It's Sabbath. Door closed. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, That's cool. I was like, I do Sabbath too, but like not, you know, whatever. Um, but they, they take it really seriously. You don't do anything on Sundays. Nothing, right? And 
So, I'm not asking you to do that. Because that's not fun. Anybody have fun getting locked in your house? Well, we did it for like a whole year. But um, it's not fun to lock yourself in your house and not be able to hang out with anybody, right? So that's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm actually saying the opposite here. It's not to lock yourself away and don't do anything. It's to do things that give you life. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Everybody listen up. Pay attention. Sit up straight. Do all what you got to do. Get your work, your homework, or whatever else done Monday through Friday. And I know if you work on Saturdays, whatever, you, you know what I mean. Get it done Monday through Friday so that you can rest on Saturday. So I'm not saying to not do anything on Saturday. I'm saying get whatever you got to get done before then so you actually have a day of rest. And this means not putting off your homework until Saturday or Sunday. Because, oh, well, my friends want to hang out after school. And I don't really want to do my homework. And then Sunday night, you're like, Mom, Mom, I'm going to die. Why? I have a paper due tomorrow. And you're freaking out, right? And everything's going, I've got three tests tomorrow and I didn't even think about it. I totally forgot. Why does God do this to me? You know? Why does God do this to me? Anybody ever thought that? Oh, I'm so mad at God right now just for giving me a math test. Well, your teacher gave you the math test, and you didn't study for it. So <laughs> what does God have to do with this? Anyways, <laughs> but what I'm saying is get it done Monday through Friday so that you actually have a day to rest on Saturday or Sunday. Amen? It's good for you. Do it. Have fun. I'm telling you to have fun. To, like, don't think about anything else but restoration. Take some naps. Have some fun. Go to the beach. Like everything that gives you life. This is what this is all about. And this will help us to not be so busy, not be so hurried, not be so stressed, not be so anxious. Because we're taking this stuff out of our lives. The command of Sabbath, it's in the Ten Commandments. Keep the Sabbath day holy. The command of Sabbath is not a rule or a restriction. It's a freedom. And it's actually freedom from, this is crazy, politically, it's actually freedom from a potential, uh, it's freedom from potential slavery. So, the reason, this is getting really deep all of a sudden, sorry. But the reason God is saying to take a, keep the Sabbath day holy is so that nobody, nobody can tell you to work on that day. Nobody. And so, what does that mean? Your employer? No. Right? Even your family. Hey, can you? No. <laughs> We're going to have fun today. Like Danielle and I do this quite often. We have days where we clean the whole house. We have days where we do lots. Of, and, but there's a day every single week where we're like, no, nothing. That's it. We're having fun. We're hanging out. Watching movies. Making our favorite food. Whatever. But we're just doing whatever we feel like we need to restore so we have the next day. Amen? So now, turning your Bibles to Mark, it's in the New Testament, it's the second book in the New Testament. Mark chapter 2, we're in the twos today, Tuesday, but it's Wednesday. Oh, I forgot to highlight that part, wow, that's crazy. Mark chapter 2, verse 23, towards the end. Mark chapter 2, 23 through 28, ready, here we go. One Sabbath, everybody say one Sabbath. 
Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? So the disciples just walking through and they're like, oh, that looks good. <laughs> right? They're just grabbing stuff. And the Pharisees said, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? It's on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. Why are they doing what is unlawful? He answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. David broke the rules, is what Jesus is saying. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So you're like, Brett, what does this mean? What this means is that commandment that says to keep the Sabbath day holy was not created to bind you, like I said earlier. What it was created was for you. To force you to take a break. So, Vince is a young six-month-old baby who doesn't want to ever take a nap. But if you've ever been around Vince when he doesn't take a nap, he's a menace, right? It's like, I don't even know what comes over him. He just is screaming and... (laughs) Right, all the time. Like today, I, he was playing this, this thing where I'd give him to Danielle, he's fine, and then she'd give him to me, and he's, ah, he cried, and I'd give it to Danielle, he's fine, and he'd give him to me, ah, and he's just crying, and he smacked me in the face. I almost punched him. I was like, dude, look, you know, hmm. But because he didn't get his nap. So what do I have to do as a parent? I force him to take a nap. Is that oppressive or binding or am I am I am I putting my son in bondage because I'm making him take a nap no I'm giving him freedom for the rest of his day does that make sense everybody because he'll actually have a good day if he takes some naps so God telling you that you need to take a break is not oppressive it's not bondage it is freedom it's saying that hey The rest of your life will be better if you take a day off. The crazy thing about the Bible is it says you need to take a day off. How practical is that? The Bible says work six and rest on one. Hey, yo. Rest was created to restore us. I've talked about this many, many, many times. Rest is not just taking a nap, even though that's, that could be part of it. Rest is restoring you to who you're supposed to be. So, as your youth pastor, what am I prescribing for your hurried mind? Here's what I'm prescribing. Last week, is what I talked about is daily time in quiet with God. Every day, even if it's five minutes, just take time with God. That's, that's my first prescription. I should, I should get prescription cards and write these. And you could put them in your binder for school or something. The second one, here it is. Take one day a week 
where you rest and have a blast. That's literally it. Sabbath is following God's example to stop and smell the roses. To stop and delight in creation. It's like, you, you think, like, there's been times where I'm like, oh, I'm so anxious and depressed. I'm so, uh, life sucks. And what I do, I get out and I walk. <laughs> and I go, like, to the beach and I just sit there for a while and everything changes. And you're like, yeah, whatever. No, I'm dead serious. You get out in the sunlight, you get moving a little bit, and then you, like, enjoy God's creation. And it flips a switch in your head where you're like, man, life's pretty good, actually. <laughs> like, I think I'm good. And then you walk back home, and you're like, hey, everybody. And they're like, what happened to you, right? We stop and smell the roses. John Mark Comer, who wrote uh, one of the books that I'm referencing for this series, he points out something in this book, in his book, that I think is really interesting. So in uh, Genesis chapter uh, 1 and 2, kind of where we were talking at the beginning, God blessed the animals. So God created animals, and he blessed them. He said, be fruitful and multiply, right? And then God created humans in his image, and then he blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. There's three things in all of creation that the Bible says God blessed. Animals, humans, and Saturday. He said, bless the animals, be fruitful, and multiply. Bless humans, be fruitful, and multiply. And he took a day of rest, and he blessed it and called it holy. So, what does this mean? What I think it means, and what John Mark Comer suggests in his book, is that maybe that day of rest Two has the ability to multiply. Maybe that day of rest has an ability to be fruitful. Maybe that day of rest has the capacity to, to grow. So what, what does that even mean? Maybe the be fruitful and multiply for us is enhanced by the rest day. Maybe our ability to be who we're supposed to be and be in the image of God is enhanced if we take a day to restore ourselves, right? And so I think God blesses it because just like he blessed the animals and said be fruitful and multiply, and just like he blessed us and said be fruitful and multiply, he blessed the seventh day because he's banking on it being fruitful and multiplying our capacity and our abilities. And I'll finish with this story. One time, I was, uh, anybody ever had one of those sick Razor scooters growing up? All right, so I had like the, I had like the off-brand Walmart one, but, uh, but these neighbors that were two streets down from me when I, I grew up in Washington, we lived on this hill behind our house. It was like all this wilderness. It was really fun, but our street was like this steep hill, and uh where I lived, there was no back, there was no fences in the backyard. So, like, it was just this big hill that had, like, different level backyards. So, you could, like, run down the hill to your friend's backyard. It's kind of weird, but whatever. Um, it's just how it is out in, the, out, in the, out in the wilderness, out in the country. But 
I had my scooter. Uh, my poor man's razor, and it was sick, okay? And, like, the one where you have to, like, kind of crank the handlebars back in place, you know, because they get all out of whack or whatever for some reason. And so the neighbors, two houses down, they got these sick BMX bikes. And I was like, losers, you know? They said, dude, these things are so fast, you don't even know. You know, like, kids are so crazy. They think everything's, like, they got new shoes. I can run faster than you now. <laughs> you know, whatever. Like, come on. But anyway, so they got these bikes. They're like, dude, these bikes are the fastest bikes in the world. Literally, the guy said it when my parents bought them. Fastest in the world. It's like this new technology with the bearings or something. You wouldn't understand. So, anyways, I was like, oh, yeah? You want to bet? And he's like, yeah, I want to bet. I was like, I'll race you. He goes, oh, you got a new bike too? I was like, no, I got a Razor, dude. A discount Razor from Walmart. doesn't even have bearings. Just skids all the way down the road. But I said, top of the road, meet me there in 30 minutes. All right. So these guys come out, you know, <laughs> you know, with their cool skater helmets or whatever. And, like, you know, the ones that, like, are, like, flat like this. And then they go down in the back. I thought those were dope back when I was a kid. But I had the stupid one with the mohawk or whatever. But uh, <laughs> anyways, so, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I pull out my scooter, right, and, you know, hold it up like this. All right, boys, you guys ready, right? And we're at the top of the hill. I said, first one down wins, all right? Let's see if your bikes are the fastest in the world. And so I said, ready, set, go. You know, I'm just, like, going, like, as fast as I can. You know, whatever. Just zooming down this hill, like, you know, later, idiots, you know, whatever. I'm just going, and they dusted me. But that's not the part of the story. So I'm going. And, I'm, Whoa, and this still this this hill's like pretty steep and pretty long. And it's you know, you start to get a speed wobble. You're doing like a little jig. All of a sudden, like right, you're everything, and I'm just going, you know, and I'm like slamming on the brake, you know, on the back, you know, the little thing that goes down, and it's just not working. It's I'm like. Yeah, it doesn't work, man. I'm still going. Who greased up my brakes, you know? I'm going, and it's like smoking. Ah! You know, I'm just going, and they're waiting for me at the bottom. I'm going down this hill. And then I'm like, at the bottom of the hill, it's like a T. So it's like, a, you know, someone's house. <laughs> and it's the curb, and there's also like the mailbox. So in Washington, you don't have a mailbox for your house. It's like this thing with like a bunch of mailboxes on it. I'm out of breath. And it's right there, and it's wooden, and I'm going to die. So I'm going, ah, I can't stop. Anyways, I go, and I'm like, and I just, I should have jumped off and tried to, like, what I don't know, but I just, like this. Boom! And I hit the curb, and I whew, fly, boom, right into the mailboxes. And I, and I hit the ground, right? My whole arm is just scraped up. Everything's scraped up. I'm like, ah! I can't breathe. Like, you know, you ever got the wind knocked out of you? <laughs> Your mom's like, what's wrong? <laughs> right? Right? She's like, ah! Mom, I can't breathe. Right? So that was me. I'm like walking up with my scooter. Like, <laughs> yeah. And uh, the guys were like, all right, later, dude. <laughs> I'll see you guys. I get in the house. I'm like, oh, I'm going to die. You know, whatever. 
Anyways, what I could have used on my scooter, one is some brakes. And then two, they make this thing on cars, which on cars I don't like them, but if they could have figured out a way to put one on my scooter, it would have been cool. It's called a governor where it, like, regulates your speed. That would have been really nice. Like, cap me off at, like, 15 miles an hour, you know, on my scooter. But they make these things on cars where you can't go over certain miles per hour. It's called a governor. So you just go, right, it goes like this. It just holds you back. And Sabbath is like a governor for a hurried life. It tells us when we need to stop. I wish I had one on my scooter. (laughs) Your scooter has one? What? Well, her scooter has a has a governor. Mine mine didn't. So the reason for Sabbath, the whole reason of this message, the whole reason to convince you to take a day of rest, to have fun on a Saturday, to have fun with your family, to have fun with your friends, and to spend some time with Jesus every day. The reason for that is because sometimes we're barreling down the hill of life, going way too fast, when we have no clue how to stop, and Sabbath creates a safe way for us to stop. And for us to pause and reset. Amen? So take that however you, however you wish. Uh, but let's stand up and let's pray. And uh, ask God to bless our weeks and to bless our Sabbath. But remember, to have fun, slow down, find rest, pray. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. God, thank you for being so intentional with us and with our lives. We go to the Bible and we see, uh, once again, how you sneak up on us and create a way out in this crazy, busy, hurried life. And so help us to listen to you. Help us to read your word. Help us to understand why you ask us to do things and not to feel that the fact that you're asking it is oppressive or hurtful or whatever else we can create in our minds, God, but help us to know that you have a purpose and you have a reason for everything. And so this week, Lord, help us to find time to rest. Help us to find time to be with you. Help us to find time to have a lot of fun and to restore our souls so that we can do the work that you've called us to do. We love you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.